the God who made heaven and earth is still present in the world he made. And he's not just present here, he is at work in the world that he's made. God has an intentional and strategic plan to change the world and to change you and me. And he's going to accomplish his plans. I have talked to you about this for my eight and a half years here at Lake Avenue Church. And again and again, I've used the very same illustration. And today, as we come back to this again, I'm going to use that illustration. Some of you may actually remember it. I'm going to take you all the way to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the nine-mile-run Greenway project that took place there in the nine-mile-run area. That was a, a stream valley. It was historic. It was known for its absolute magnificent beauty. And yet, yet for some reason... Uh, the city of Pittsburgh chose uh, in the last century for 50 years to have that area become the area of the deposit of the industrial waste from all of Pittsburgh's steel mills. All the slag, that's what it's called, was dumped into that once beautiful area. So that by the time we got to the mid-1990s, if you were to go there, the stream and that stream valley that had been running through it was absolutely contaminated. Some places had stopped flowing and the entire area was utterly uh, polluted. Now, at that time, three artists from Carnegie Mellon University looked at that area and had a great vision for it and established a mission for what they wanted to do. They, they proposed that they put together a team that would go into the nine-mile-run area and, and rework it until that area that had become what was called a brown region, a, an area of slag and destruction, would become a beautiful public green space. Now, when you think about it, a proposal like that um, was going to be very, very difficult. And yet, for some reason, both the city of Pittsburgh and Carnegie Mellon University chose to adopt it. Now, in, in doing this project, they had several guiding principles. I want to show them to you because this is going to be important for what God wants to do in your life and in our church. Number one, as they went into it, they wouldn't be restarting, but renewing. They didn't want to destroy what had happened there. They felt that there was still something there worthy of being rescued. And when they went in to look for plant life that was there, immediately the first time they found over 120 forms of plant life. And they decided that that was something worth building on. They didn't want to destroy it. They wanted to build on it as a foundation. And the starting point was what was there. Second principle was they were going to engage in doing it not from a distance. And any of you who've been in the academy, you know we usually like to write papers and tell other people what to do. <laughs> they weren't going to do this from a distance. They were going to do it by personal engagement. So that all the participants in this project were going to have to make a commitment to being involved personally. What that meant, when you think about it, was that they knew that each one of them would have to enter into that space, that smelly ugly, filthy, industrial waste area to do what they were assigned to do. And they, they knew that they were going to have to be involved in that hands-on way every step of, a, of the project. Principle three, it was not going to be cosmetic, but transformational. The, their vision was all-encompassing of the area. They had no interest in simply changing a few things or in just you know, short-term, external kind of beautification. They were after transformation. I'm telling you, it was going to be a complete makeover. And so they knew 
that this sort of thing could not be accomplished overnight, but that they had to be in it for the long haul. So the, these three professors, art professors, put together a team of people from the university, from Carnegie Mellon, and they had all sorts of different areas of expertise. They had the artists, of course, some scientists, some historians, uh, landscape architects, botanists, urban planners, and in our church, a whole bunch of engineers. We have a lot of engineers here. So while over 20 years have gone by since they first proposed that plan, uh, there were countless snags and obstacles, but look again at the picture of how it looked at that time when the slag was there and the ugliness was there. And now I want you to see it as it has become. Uh, to me, that nine-mile run Greenway project is a parable for the church. It is a parable of what God wants to do in us and what he wants to do in you. Because God, just think about it, God is the ultimate artist who is ready to do some creation and here's some recreation of what is there. And he was willing to enter in, not destroying what was, which he might have done because all the slag of our lives and all the slag of sin had come in and abused that, the beauty that had been there when he first created. No, he was going to start with what is here, what is in us. He was going to cleanse what was there and he was going to make things, as we heard earlier, all things new. And you know, to do that, he had to enter personally into this world. It, it is a beautiful parable of God himself coming out of love, seeing what could happen, and now being in the midst of his project of completing his mission. So, so here's my point at the very beginning. God is involved in this world in a big mission that he knows is a long process, but he's going to complete it. And when God is done, I mean, first of all, you've got to think, your life and mine will be completely beautiful. Amen. Anybody happy about that? And not only us, but, but all that God has had will reflect the greatness and the majesty of its creator. And over these next couple of months here at Lake Avenue Church, we're going to be focusing on this remarkable truth that even as God is doing this work in you and me to remake us, he sends us out into his world. He places us here and then sends us out into his world as his ambassadors to bring about his change. We are to take up our part in what God is doing. So, so many times people say, Pastor Greg, what is your uh, mission and vision for the church? And my only answer is it's not my church. It is his church. I've got to find out what his mission and vision is for the church. And then I want us to play his appointed role in what he's doing in this world. I seek the Lord for this. Your, your, your pastors do and our, your spiritual leaders do. And that's what we want to do. So we have taken some time. And uh, you can see that we've written, we've tried to put this on a sheet of paper. And you can see it in your worship folder. But the mission itself we've, we've phrased in this way. Following Jesus. Because that's what we're going to do. Have our teaching come from him have our lives shaped and changed by him. Following Jesus, we participate in God's reconciling work by making disciples of all peoples and all generations. And we, Praise God. Well, that's what we want to do. And we cite those two great passages, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, where Jesus himself, just before he ascended to, to the Father, said, this is your mission, 
You've got to make disciples of all people groups. And then also Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 20, where God says, when I'm absolutely done, all things in heaven and on earth are going to be reconciled. That's his word, reconciled to me. So here, here's what I want to do in the few moments I have today. Uh, first, I want us to think about how that mission affects Lake Avenue Church. I, I think if I can speak clearly, and you'll stick with me here today, you'll be able to make some sense out of a lot of the things that are at the heartbeat of the life of this church family. And then number two, I want to think about that mission in you. Pulled back prayerfully the, the latter part of this week and just was praying about, Father, if this is what you want to do uh, in us, what do I pray for will happen in each person who becomes a part of the life of this church? And I want to talk to you at the end about that for a moment. So first, let's think about God's mission in Lake Avenue Church. Look at that phrase, we participate in God's reconciling work. All right, I've really been thinking about how, how I could talk about this to have this stir your heart the way it does mine. So I'm going to try. I think I'll do it by talking to you about two beautiful terms in the Bible. Uh, they are justice and reconciliation. Um, now, I know that these terms are often used out in the world in, in different ways. I want us to get back to how the Bible uses them. It, it's so important to the Bible. So let's think about the first term, justice. That word at its bottom level just means when everything is right. Uh, when you take out the Bible, <clears throat> both in the Old Testament and in the New, uh, both in the words used for justice in Hebrew, the main language of the Old Testament, and in the Greek language of the New, that, that's what it means. It, it means right, everything right. Sometimes the word justice is translated righteousness. And, and it really flows out of who God is. Because the Bible keeps telling us that everything about the God we worship is, is, is right. Who he is is right. Uh, what he says is right. What he asks of us is right. And so when we live in his world that he's made and we experience some things that, that aren't right, we, we, we can't quite get at it. But that's where we have to come back and why I use this illustration of Pittsburgh that since Genesis chapter 3, there's been a lot of slag that's been entering into our world and it, it affects every one of us and everything in our world. People walking away from God, living for ourselves, engaging in sin has destroyed the beauty of what God has made so that right now, in the world in which you and I live, there is nothing that is completely right. That includes you and me. And if we're honest, we just acknowledge that. I, I mean, I look inside of myself and say, why do I keep thinking that way? Why, why do I keep, and get, get anybody with me on this, why do I keep feeling that temptation and heading in that way? There's something inside that's not completely right. And I'll tell you, you'll find that when you have a whole church full of people who aren't quite right, there will sometimes be some things that don't feel quite right. Amen? I mean, that's who we are. And yet God has said, I'm going to do something to make everything just and right. And I'm going to use you to go out and do it. So the first thing I want you to see that he is the only one who is right. And he promises he promises that he'll enter into your life and mine and begin to remake us. He's the only one who is right, but he's going to work and work and work until you and I are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And uh, so that's what God is doing. So many verses about this. Psalm chapter 9, verse 7 and following. The Lord has established his throne. Okay, God is the one in charge. And what is establishes throne is for judgment. And that isn't just wiping you out. That is 
judging what is not right and what is right, making sure that evil is punished and goodness is rewarded. He's established his, his throne for that, and in doing so, he will always be a stronghold for the oppressed. So, so it's clear to me, and I think to any thinking human being when we live in this world, that some things just aren't right. Uh, when, you, when you hear about little Gloria Huang uh, dying as, as a little three-year-old, and then you find out right on the heels of that, her, her parents are, are slapped in a prison for several years. It don't, doesn't everything say, that's not right? Uh, even on a very personal level, uh, Thursday night as I was praying about this and thinking about my message to you, I got a call from our daughter, uh, Heather, and she told me that our, our little granddaughter, Noelle, who's just six, just was here sitting with me in church, and she's little even for the age of six, went and had to be rushed into the hospital in excruciating pain, uh, had to have emergency surgery at one o'clock in the morning, um, and they found out that she had developed a tumor on one of her ovaries that had grown to six centimeters and was twisted and entangled, and she was at such... So I just thought, I was thinking about talking to you, and I thought, that's not right. That's not what God created for us to experience in this world. And this happens every day of our lives, doesn't it? Things that we, we find. And so our whole world is, is messed up. There's swag everywhere. But God has said, I have a mission in this world, and my mission is to make all things just, all things right, that's why I had Cherupon read, especially Revelation 21 and 22, that great vision of when God has finished his mission, all things will be made new, including you and me. Do you believe it? Do you believe that what, that is what God is doing? But now, uh, the big question is, how do we get from here, where there's so much injustice and so much that's wrong, to there where everything is just? And that's that second beautiful word reconciliation. I think of it simply as that process that leads to justice. I love this word, reconciliation. It's a word of, of the restoration of a relationship. I don't know if you've ever experienced that in your life where something happened that maybe you messed it up yourself and a relationship was broken but you long for that restored relationship with your friend. And then when it happens, I hope you can think of things when it happens, there's just something inside that says, this is beautiful. God loves reconciliation. God loves reconciliation so much that he sent his son who loves reconciliation so much that he gave his life so that we can be made whole. I've written it for you in the worship folder. When I think of reconciliation, I have these related concepts of God taking what has been broken in his world. And bringing it back together. Or very similar to what is hostile to him and to one another, nation to nation in our world, and beginning to make peace. And for those sorts of things, there's just a lot of evil that has to be owned up to, and a lot of things that have to be forgiven, and a lot of cleansing that has to happen. But, but so that for God to do this, he had to enter into this world personally in the coming of Jesus into the world. And so the foundation for any of this ministry is the death of Jesus in our place on the cross. So the Colossians 1, 19 and 20, that's why we put this text here. Let me show it to you again. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in the Messiah, in Christ Jesus. And then through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether on things on earth or things in heaven, how is he going to make peace and make us who are not right, right with God? He's going to do it 
by making peace through his blood, Jesus' blood shed on the cross. All that is to say, and I don't know if you're new to church, this may be so, it's, it's beautiful. We, you often have to have time to talk about this, but let me just tell you, God promises in his word to take all the messes that we have and clean them up. He, he promises to take all the brokenness that's in our hearts and our marriages and in our families and to begin to bring about healing. He, he, he promised us to take all this hostility that we read in the media about every day and begin to make peace. That's what he promises. And, and the amazing thing is that even though you, you and I know, we need him to do that inside of us. So we, we have that humility to say, Lord, I can't believe you're willing to do that inside of me. While he's doing his work of completing his work in us, he sends us out into the world as his agents of reconciliation. As the ones who tell about the fact God really is and he loves you and there's always hope for you. He sends us as imperfect. I, I keep thinking, you must have been able to find a better plan than that, God. But he says, no, that is my plan. And if you don't believe that that's what he wants you and me to do, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 20. So here's what God's done. He has reconciled us to himself. Through Christ. And then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Who are we? We are Christ's ambassadors. We go out as though God were making his appeal through us. You see, it's in the light of this that that phrase comes. We participate in God's reconciling work. I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, I want us here at Lake Avenue Church to do that until he's finished his work and until justice reigns. Like those uh, people doing that project there in Pittsburgh at the, uh, at the nine-mile run, it is, a, it is a long haul. And it means that we have to do like the artists ask everybody to do. We have to be willing to go out there where a lot of that brokenness is. We can't just say, oh, it's awful out there. We're going to withdraw from it. We actually have to go out there because we go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've been entrusted with the message that God is. God loves you and he's ready to do a transforming work in your life. Now, I'll tell you, if, if, you, if, I, if I've spoken clearly at all, uh, then this will help you to make sense of so much that has become the priority for us here at Lake Avenue. I, I really think, I want you to consider this. I really think that almost everything we do that's worth doing is a reconciling work. It's part of reconciliation. Does that make sense to you? Well, not many of you. Not many. So, okay. So, we, we love evangelism. We want people to come to know Jesus because we found, met him and we know what he does in our lives. Evangelism, come to know some good news. But really all evangelism is, is calling people to be reconciled to God. It's a ministry of reconciliation. It's where it really starts. We've been made to walk with God and to know him. And so we sell, tell people he's ready to enter into your life. It's a ministry of reconciliation. What, what about discipleship? Um, Discipleship is a ministry of reconciliation. It, it is after we receive Jesus into our lives, there's a big work that needs to happen. And discipleship is taking all of that within our community that is broken in each of our lives and we're going to learn God's word. 
We're going to together pray for one another. We pray we're going to experience the power of God's Holy Spirit to take all that stuff that is still immature in us and help it to grow, take all of that stuff that is still messed up in us and, and, and bring it back together. Discipleship ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. Do you see that? Um, what, what about community outreach? Many of you have been surprised when you've come and you've seen how, how active Lake is in our neighborhood. Well, we think that God's put us here for a reason. And that reason is to participate in his reconciling work. <laughs> See, so when you come in and we, we uh, pray that God will do his work in your heart as we praise God together and as you hear his word. And then we go out as his ambassadors and agents of reconciliation into all of the brokenness that's still here in Pasadena and the San Gabriel Valley. Community outreach is just a ministry of reconciliation. But what about global outreach? Does Pastor Scott still have a job? For, for me, when I think about the world, when I think about our opportunity to be involved in what God is doing in the world, it brings me such great joy. Because when we place our faith in Jesus, our, t our shirt says, be a part of something bigger. And that's not just my stomach, but bigger. <laughs> it means something big that God is doing in this world that he has made. And that's why we put, we're going to participate in his reconciling work so that until disciples are made of all peoples and of all generations. So the global outreach is our, just... It energizes everything, our ability to participate in what God is doing in the world. Again, when I speak of this, I, I hope it helps you to make sense out of some of the uh, particular decisions that we make at Lake Avenue. Uh, for example, when we very recently have asked Jeff Leo, who has had such an effective pastoral ministry to young adults, to move from that area of ministry. Yes, well, he'll, he, I hope he doesn't write you guys off too, too soon. <laughs> But we've asked him to move from that ministry into specific outreach and evangelism as a church. Why? Because I'm telling you, we believe that that good news in the Bible does not change. But I'm, I'm telling you, that message that doesn't change, the way it's heard as our world changes, that changes. The way I used to talk about the gospel when I was in the 70s, when I go out and just use the very same language and concepts, I, I just feel like I hit a blank wall. We need somebody to give us some leadership. In this postmodern world, when we come with a, an exclusive claim that Jesus is the only one who lived a sinless life, who can, that doesn't hit well in a postmodern world. Exclusive kinds of things? No, no, no. We need to have pastoral leadership to help us to think through how we bring this compelling, life-giving, beautiful message into the world that we are in now. That's why we made that decision. Do you see that? Um, what, what about Myra Nolan and community outreach? Um, we've asked her to provide pastoral leadership for that. So what, what we do with Myra is we, we send her out into our local community. We want her to be out meeting with our educational leaders, our political leaders, go into the places where there are just some real problems that are happening with maybe drugs and gangs. Sometimes I want to send Myra to prison Sometimes, so you got to understand that in the right way. Because what we need as a church, it's so easy for us to become insulated. Just do our things and kind of bunker in. But, but you, when you read what the mission of God is for us, that we can't do that. We have to find out where the brokenness is in our world. So if we go out into our community and we say, what's wrong here? Um, if you've heard me, we'll say everything. Nothing is quite just yet. 
so then we have to figure out what is the most important thing. Where would God have us to enter in? So Myra gives leadership to that, comes back to us, to our ministry council, so that we can pray about what priorities we should have to bring the good news of Jesus, the love of Jesus, into this neighborhood. Uh, so we send her out. So if you come up someday and, and you want to say, I, I want to see uh, uh, Myra, and you'll see on her door, out. <laughs> out. She's where she's supposed to be. Out. <laughs> so that she can come in and tell us how we can go out under her leadership. And, and, and in particular, it's why we have Scott White, who to me is just one of the most gifted global leaders I've ever worked with, uh, give leadership to the role that we should play in what God is doing outside of even our local community. Um, a few months ago, God put deep on my heart the things that I was reading about uh, in the newspapers and, and on the media about having these 60 plus million people displaced from their homes and these incredible movements coming out of Syria and Afghanistan and so many places. I went over to Scott. Scott's office is right next to mine. And I always go over to just irritate him. Scott, something is deep on my heart. I want to talk. It was already deeper on his heart. And he was already ahead of this. And so we have really uh, set him aside to look and see how the good news might be taken to people in this time of displacement and what he's called moving because do you realize this? When you look at the people who are uh, refugees and are moving out of one area to another, uh, so many of them, maybe even the majority of them, come out of areas that have been deemed unreachable by the gospel. Uh, missionaries cannot go there. So if we can't go there, God's bringing them out here. So, so we can complain about how difficult that is. But I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, if we adopt this mission, it is opportunity for us. And so I don't even know if you know some of the things that God has asked us to do or what we've been involved in, but we're going to participate in God's reconciling work by making disciples of all peoples. And so over the last year under Scott's leadership, Lake Ave has been increasingly involved in, in what's been happening with the refugees. We have partners of ours who are assisting in, refu in Jordanian refugee camps. Uh, we have our people who have served in refugee camps in, in Lebanon. Uh, we have hosted here uh, on our campus times of, of prayer and seeking the Lord of, of Christian leaders and other pastors all over the Southern California area so that we can, we're just one church, so that we can together say, Lord, what role would you have uh, to play in what we see you doing in our world? Uh, Scott has just come back from Europe, being in Germany, meeting with people right on the front lines, talking with people who are meeting so many of the refugees, trying to see how can one church in Southern California actually step in and, and, and play a small piece in this. Because you see, when you do that, it, it's like a seed being planted. And if you read Mark 4 and 5, what you're going to see is Jesus says so many times the gospel of Jesus is like a seed, even the smallest mustard seed, that it looks so small when you do it, but when God uses it, it grows to be something that, is, that furthers his glory. All of this is to say when you look at that, we want to participate in God's reconciling work by making disciples of all peoples and generations. I hope you see why we're doing what we're doing, and I hope you have great joy in being a part of it and of giving so that it can happen. Now, I need to move quickly. I want to think for just a moment what I've been praying about Friday and Saturday, God's mission and you personally. We participate in God's reconciling work 
by making disciples. Here's where I told you I wanted to stop for a minute and then just sort of have a senior pastor's chat with you. Um, because I, I recognize that God's reconciling work is not just what God wants to do through you, but in you. And I think God has placed us here together so that the work He wants to do in each one of us can happen in this community. Uh, we, we need to pray for one another. We need to worship together. We need to teach one another. We have, need to pick up one another sometimes. We, we need to correct one another because the messes, the slag in, in creation is not just out there among those people there. It's right inside our own inner beings. You and I need ongoing cleansing. We need ongoing remaking. Uh, the text that we have put in our guiding statement is Colossians 1, 19 to 20, where it says he's going to reconcile all things to himself in heaven and on earth. But the very next two verses talk to us personally, and that's in verses 21 and 22. Let me show it to you. Here's what God's mission is in your life and what we pray is going to be fulfilled through the life of our church, that once you too were alienated from God, and anybody own that? Once you too were an enemy in your mind because of your evil behavior. But look, but now... God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. Now, it's not just that he's declared your past sins forgiven. It's, it's that he has a mission for your life. Like the nine-mile run, he's, he's going to make something beautiful. And look how it's put. This is what God declares that he's going to do in you, to present you holy in his sight. Oh, I thought, Jacqueline, I thought I'd get more than one amen there. God is going to present you holy and He is going to present you and me without blemish. And free from accusation. So that when you and I stand before the Lord, and somebody back there said, Ah, oh, I live next to that person. Let me tell you, God, what you probably don't know about that person. They're a real problem. God says, I knew, and that's paid for. That's what the cross is all about, to present us holy, blameless, without accusation. How does God do it? Do you remember those three principles? Not restarting, but renewing. That when God enters into your life, he doesn't destroy you. To say they're beyond hope, he takes what is there and begins rebuilding on who you are. All those things in our lives that have been messed up by the abusive nature of sin all around us in our world. He'll take that and recreate us into that distinctive person that he has made us to bring, be who brings honor and glory to his name. And I think the church has been placed here for you and you for us. We get into one another's lives and grow until each one is complete in Christ. What was that second principle? It can't happen from a distance, but through personal engagement. And you know, the, the ultimate thing is God coming through Jesus into this world. Those Pittsburgh people knew that transformation doesn't happen from a distance, and God knows that too. So he enters into our lives, but he gives us a church of people where we actually do life together. And we want you to be a part of that here with us. Uh, worshiping as you're doing right now, Finding, finding a, a community that you can be in where you can pray for one another and correct one another at times, support one another. 
so that's what I want to have happen in your life, growing together as we are growing, we all become more of what God would have us to be. And that third principle is it's not cosmetic, but transformational. See, what God wants to do in our lives is all-encompassing of everything that you are. I mean, God has little interest in just changing a few little things, and especially not just doing sort of an external cosmetic transformation. Do you remember what Jesus said to some of those religious leaders who tried to pretend that they were so perfect? He said, you guys are like whitewashed walls. (laughs) You just tried to slap a little paint on the outside. I want to change you from the inside to the out so that every part of you brings glory to my name. See, that, it's that that we're talking about when we talk, use the phrase, making disciples. Uh, people new to church, that phrase isn't used very often out in the world, is it? Making disciples. You might wonder, what on earth is that about? But I even want you to know that we who are in the church, we often have some weird notions about that too. Usually, if you're like me, and I've been in church since I was so young, when I hear the word um, being made into a disciple, I think of ha- having to buy like 20 books filled with checklists and I go check 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 and and once I get through with the 20th I'm supposed to be perfect and I get to the end of that 20th and I know I'm not perfect but then I feel like I have to pretend to you that I am Uh, now with that comment I want to tell you for sure that the way God does his work is often through programs like that and books like that have been very helpful to me. Even checklists have often been, been helpful to me. But discipleship is about something so much more beautiful. Those kinds of things are just means to an end. That's why I showed you the Nine Mile Run Reclamation Project. That's what discipleship is all about. God doing his work, growing you so that what once was messed up becomes beautiful Amen. in his sight. And that's what I want to have happen in your life here at Lake Avenue Church. I thought, how do I say it? Mostly I just want you to grow. I want you to grow to become all that God wants you to be. I want you to grow as Jesus grew. Did you know that Jesus grew? It's kind of a baffling statement. Luke chapter 2 verse 52. There's one little verse. He was 12 years old and in the temple. And after that it said Jesus grew. And he grew in wisdom and physical strength. And he grew in favor with God and with people. You look at that verse and say, oh, that's hard to understand. How could Jesus, God's son, the perfect one, also grow in favor with God? It's this mystery of how Jesus was fully God and and fully human being. But I'm just telling you this. If Jesus needed to grow, you and I need to grow. He didn't need to grow in some ways like we do, our, our own moral change and cleansing from sin. He was without sin. But he needed to grow in the way the Bible puts it in his inner being. He grew in wisdom to understand more and more of what his father would have him to do and to understand what that looks like. And I pray that you'll grow in that way too. I I pray that you will grow in your inner being, that you'll come to know God's word, you'll come to love God, love people. I I pray you'll find victory over the temptations that just keep coming into your life. I, I pray that here in the life of the church, that those things that even have a grip on you that just seems like you can't break them, that you'll know the power of the Holy Spirit working inside to set you free from those things. That's what I, I pray for that for you. Pray, pray for them for me and for all of us as well. We're in that long journey together. And I, pr- I pray also for this, this uh, 
Jesus grew in his external being, physical growth, uh, that all that God has entrusted to you physically, your your body and all that he gives to you, that you'll use that to the glory of God and, and thank him for every part of it. I pray that you'll grow so that people can see the work of God transforming you into a person of beauty. That's what I long for for you. That's my sense of why God has put this church here for you and you for us. So that this kind of inner transformation will happen and that you and I will become more and more fully mature, committed Christ followers who just love to participate in God's reconciling work in our neighborhood and in our world, just loving to go out and tell you, you too can become a follower, a disciple of Jesus. I want you to be a part of something bigger. So I'll leave you with, with my prayer. It comes from our mission statement. Following Jesus. That's where it starts. Follow, give your life to Jesus. Following Jesus I pray that you too will participate in God's reconciling work by becoming complete in Christ yourself and then by going out and making disciples of all peoples and of all generations. And I'm just telling you, it will be to his glory. Amen. 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 May it be. That is a woohoo. There's no. Father, we do rejoice in what you're doing in the world. We pray that more and more you would see it in our individual lives. So, Father, I pray right now for each one who is here that you would open our eyes to see where some of that slag is still in our lives, where we haven't surrendered parts of us to you, where we're holding on to sin or self. We want to give it all to you right now. Father, continue in a mighty way to do your transformational work in us. Father, for some who have come today and don't know you yet, give them even now a deep sense that you are, that you are real, that you are here, that you love them, and that what you want them to do is to entrust their sins and their life and their future to Jesus in faith. Do that work here today as well. So, Father, speak to us. We have sought to understand your vision and your mission. We want you to be our guide. We want you to be the Lord of this church and to do what you will to your glory in this place and in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen.